Welcome to the podcast. We're doing a little note off of the top right here. Um, as you may know, if you follow us on social media, we recorded a full, long hour, uh, a long podcast. I feel like this note isn't even going well right now. <laughs> like, 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 like someone died. <laughs> You're talking like someone died. Everybody said, hey, that was a great podcast, man. It was. Um, yeah. We so so this note off the top is just to let you guys know that uh, we were ma- we managed to salvage eleven minutes of that podcast before the file becomes corrupt. So in an experiment, this is kind of like an experimental podcast mm-hmm. today. We're going to play you those first eleven minutes so you get a, a sense of the vibe in the room. Recorded a bit ago uh, before we were on a bit of a hiatus, uh, and now we've reassembled the team in this room uh, to try and jump back in after the eleven minute mark. Uh, we will of course uh, re-engage you at that point, but I guess. Enjoy this first 11 minutes of the Lost podcast. Well, don't we want to say that it was one of the best pods we've ever done, probably? These are our minds, people thought, in the room. No, no, because after 90% of pods, I just leave. I don't think anything of it. After a good one, Mike and I will go, that was a good one. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll say. And then after that one, Mike was like, that's how you record a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And in my mind, I was like, yeah, that one was like, if not the best, it was a really, really good one. Mm-hmm. We that, may be remembering in a certain way because there's an air of like we're having a couple of beers. There was a night ahead, so everything was just feeling great, mm-hmm. you know. So tough to say if it was the atmosphere of the pod. That's know? my brother Greg, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> intro me, man. Uh, I, well, Introduce me to well, your. Friends. We're going to go into the intro of the last one where your intro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Okay, but okay. Uh, I agree with Shane. I think it was a top five podcast of all time. And it's the and <laughs> for all podcasts. And today, <laughs> every show. <laughs> and today, it's the exact, literally the exact opposite vibe. Because on that, that night was everyone was excited because we were about to go out. We were about to see a concert. No one was hungover. Everyone had energy. Yeah, it was like a Friday or Thursday. It was like later in the week. No, it was a Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Yeah, but so I, I got permission to go party that night. Yeah. I was very... As you'll hear. Save it for the first 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but now the first... Just when we meet up, you were a little somber. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, a yeah, dead Lor- dog. Yeah, Lauren's uh, beloved family dog, Forrest, uh, just passed away this weekend. And so... Uh, and she's at home in tears, and everybody's very sad in the Bentham family. R.I.P. Forrest. I love that dog. A fucking awesome dog. And then you said something. You, you're kind of sad about well, something, too. Well, no, I'm not sad about something. It's just I'm extremely exhausted right now. Mm. Like, what would you think would be the worst thing you'd want to do at midnight? Tonight? Like, just any night. Like, what's the worst thing you could possibly do at midnight? <laughs> Murder somebody? Yeah. Close. Watch The Matrix. Oh. At midnight. So I'm at home and I'm like, because uh, this weekend we had made an agreement. Uh, I was getting texts. I was at a cottage, but uh, our good friend John Popolis, he's 6'5", Mensa member. He does the pedestal <laughs> podcast with us. And Mike Veerman, the host of this very podcast, very responsible guy. They, they said, we're going to record Monday. Uh, we're going to do a, a pedestal podcast. So Mike's like, I'm going to make sure to watch The Matrix this weekend. So I'm jealously watching him party at this Beck concert. Oh, yeah. And he's having some beers, and I'm like, okay, so Mike is out partying now, but he certainly watched The Matrix earlier in the weekend. And I'm like, okay. I had to do an edit for my wife, so the edit finished at about 11.30, and then I get up to my room, brush my teeth, uh, do my nighttime routine, and then fire, <laughs> fired up The Matrix, which is actually two hours and 18 minutes. Oh my God. Fired that up at midnight. Keep in mind, keep in mind, I wake up at 5 a.m., so uh, that's not the biggest sleep in the world. Get to work. Poplis comes to my desk. He says, uh, Shaney boy, what time are you ready to record? I say, anytime you are. And then Mike goes, can't do it today. 
then, then he's then he's then I he's feel da- terrible right then, now. then I look at him and he's dancing on his feet a little, a little bit. He's like, well, you know, I uh, got some stuff to do. He can't think of an excuse. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. And he's like, and uh, we're, we're recording a Michael Much after work. So I'm like, Which is true. Yeah. But, <laughs> it was ordinary right now. But I had known you were uh, pretty hungover this morning. and uh, You know me well. Yeah. But uh, I must say, I didn't get an apology, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. Well... I well, I thought that maybe you assumed I had watched it and I did have stuff to do, so I thought I maybe, knew the score. You liar! Do you think Pop? Do you think do you think Pops knew as well? Yes. I didn't get around. So the truth is, I didn't get around to watching The Matrix this weekend. <laughs> My window to watch it was indeed Sunday night, and uh, for our Pedestal podcast, which you can go to the Pedestal feed right now and listen to twenty great episodes. Uh, instead, I, I decided to go to Cage the Elephant and Beck last night with. My brother Greg and Maxie was there and yeah. uh, Dan Hamilton. And this is a very somber affair because uh, intern Erica is uh, sitting here uh, with her sunglasses on. She she looks kind of ashamed for some reason. And uh, she was also at the concert last night. What? And she also um, neglected her adult responsibilities today and did not go into work for... Her brother, your brother, Greg. Way it's to- true. It's true. This is a true story. But also, before she was at that show, she was at Cabana Pool Bar, <laughs> whooping it up with uh, in in arena host Maria Papadakis. Wow. Um, so anyway, so I knew she was partying all day. And then uh, what are we looking at here? I get a text message last night at nine o'clock p.m. Greg, I might be sick tomorrow. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, I look at her Instagram just. Dancing at I posted I posted nothing on my Instagram yesterday. You didn't because I thought you were at home actually sick and I was like, ah, oh, Eric. Is I was sick. on my and, way to and the then I, and then we run into your uh, friend Kyle mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, I'm just gonna go find Erica. She's on the lawns right now. I'm like, Erica's here right now. No, I know. <laughs> I, and as soon as he found me, he's like, I just saw Mike and Greg. I was like, you did not tell Greg I was here, did you? He was like, yes, I did. I he, like, oh yes, he did. Busted. Yeah, anyway, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she is in shades right now. I put your sunglasses back on. That was a funny. Photo. We're gonna get a photo for the social media. So I do want to officially apologize to Shane. I feel bad. Uh, that was very irresponsible of me not to watch the Matrix. Um, because there's I, no problem with it, Mike. Just say that night. Go. Hey, can we not do the pod? And then with that notice, I'm cool. Because it just even if I had wasted time earlier watching the Matrix, it just shows that you care. You do you want to know what's worse? What's up? I forgot we were recording it today completely. Mm. I completely. There's so much stuff happened this weekend. There was so much baby stuff, and this whole week lead. What, my window really was while well, I was I was low. I, I I had the baby all week because Danica was was away with uh, some girlfriends, and so my window was when she went down. I needed to watch it during the week. Once the weekend hit, I kind of got screwed because there was so much going on, and I completely forgot we were recording it. And then when pops came up to the to your desk today and said that, and I'm like looking, you know, I'm at my computer, so my back's to you. I was like, so when are we doing this, guys? I literally went into like a hot sweat panic mode, <laughs> swung the chair around. Oh, yeah. It was like, sorry, man, I got, I can't, can't do it today. And I'm like, I'm fucked. I, I totally forgot. Cause I would have texted and said, I would have moved it the night before, but I completely forgot about it until Johnny said that. So Mike taking care of a baby. I know it's a lot of work. It's busy, right? Yeah. Busy. But that baby, that baby's not staying up till 11 at night, you know, all the time. Like well, what time are you putting that baby down? Typically For between five and six, five and six. So then you're probably up about three hours every three, probably up till like nine or 10. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably accurate. That's a lot of time. I mean, the Matrix, how long did you say the Matrix was, Shane? Two hours, 18 minutes. Ah, I see there's a window pretty feels much. feels like an eternity, though, at 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 well, it sounds like nice you left window. your homework to the last minute as well. Well, it doesn't matter when you leave the homework until as long as the homework gets done. That's a fact. Uh, you know what? And in that window where I should have been watching Matrix, I was instead watching Russian Doll, <laughs> uh, which I completely recommend. What's, what's that? It's with Natasha uh, Leone. 
It's a Netflix TV show. Yeah, it's great. But they're only like 20 minutes. It just, The Matrix felt like a big commitment, man. And after hanging with the baby all day, you just kind of want to like not think too much. And as you know, with the pedestal, we take lots of notes, man. It's like, it's an immersive experience that is more than just throwing something on mindlessly. I apologize. Shane's just nodding his head at me. No problem. It's just, I feel like. (laughs) 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 Yeah, guys. Longest editor's note ever. (laughs) Okay. And I, I brought some alcohol too because Greg Greg guilt tripped me because <laughs> I was trying to recreate the experience of last time. So I asked, and, and last time someone brought us beer. Well, I didn't pay for it. Uh, that was so me. to truly recreate it, I asked it, it to be bought for me again. And then <laughs> Greg had suggested I buy some. But I, uh, these are low calorie um, vodka soda strawberry flavor. Yeah, oh, those look if amazing. anyone wants one, Max, one. you're watching your weight. Yeah, I'd love one, but I might have to go to Dunn's about this dog. I think you do, and I think on that note, we just yeah, condolences to Lauren and her family because anybody that has a pet knows uh, how much it hurts to lose one. So, Mm -hmm. poured a little liquor for a forest, indeed. Okay, so now that the is this the end of the editor's note? Yeah, let's get to it. This is the longest (laughs) editor's note ever. So let's go into the eleven minutes that wasn't lost, and you will really see the difference in the vibe Mm -hmm. uh, between now and and obviously uh, a week and a half ago. So we will get to that. Now. Are those sirens out front now, too? There are sirens out (laughs) front. The city is burning to the ground. Hit the music. Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We are also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, and... As usual, Internerica is on the dials and joining us through sort of circumstance, a surprise to all of us, is my brother, Greg Veerman. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, Pod Squad? How you doing, Pod Squad? So we are here at uh, E1. Uh, we're about to record an evening pod, rare, but we wanted to get it in because Max is about to leave for Kitabala. Uh, so we all were in the, well, Shane and I were in the lobby. We were here uh, on time. And Erica came walking in. and Shots she, fired. And she was with Greg. They were carrying all this beer because we're also going to do something later tonight. We'll get to that in a second. Mm. We walk in. Greg and Eric are like, where's Max? I was like, oh, he texted. He's going to be 10 minutes late. And then Greg goes, Max doesn't respect people's time. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But about beer, let's uh, make amends, oh, buddy. Yeah, yeah thanks. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Cords in the way, but uh, no, just just make... throw it up. To... Oh, Max so caught the beer. For our listeners, the reason that uh, Greg is here with beer is because we're all going to go see Maggie Rogers tonight, and we're going to try to convince Shane to join us. Stay in town. So well, uh, I'm not sure how this is going to go, but I sent the text to my wife. You, that's you, you would do that when you're at the concert. <laughs> no, 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 because we've had many conversations how to do this. <laughs> So I've texted her, and my wife likes to be asked instead of told. Uh. Well, it's the old philosophy. It's either uh, uh, you can either ask for permission or beg for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You guys are in the phase now where it's ask for permission because you've already begged for all your forgiveness. Well, but I usually tell her, shut off my phone, and then beg for forgiveness the next <laughs> day. <laughs> but so she said, as long as you ask me, and I say, well, what, what if you say no? And like, I'll only ask you if you say yes. So she said, I will always say yes. So this is a big test. So she would, so she just wants the courtesy. Okay. Really. okay. Ooh, the text text. Back. You've got the text back. Ooh, who are you going with? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who are you going with? Have fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Can you call me back or are you still potting? Okay. Okay. There you go. That's the go. Right, right, that's a thumbs up. I've had worse. That's cool. Okay. Now <laughs> we got to find a ticket. Does it make you want to come less than <laughs> yeah. that? Now it's Max's you, job to. Uh, you kind of like, ah, now it's not like I'm not like it's breaking not like, the law, you know? It's not like I want to come less. It's just that I know now I'm not going to get a ticket. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, no, we can probably find you a ticket. Yeah, Max is... I, like, I just sent a text. I, I mean, it is very... This is probably the most annoying kind of ticket request. Uh, you know, f- half an hour before doors open. Like, can I get a, a plus four instead of a plus three? And it's a sold-out show already. It's like, it's pretty obnoxious. Well, what's going to happen is I'm going to have two beers, yeah. uh, a sausage at Dan... Barbecue. Dan right Hamilton's now. also having a barbecue yeah. on our roof tonight, which is where we're going after mm-hmm. this. This is turning into a nice Wednesday. And then the tickets are going to fall through, yeah. and I'm going to walk through my door at 8:30 p.m. And my wife's going to be like, "How was your night out?" <laughs> and then that's my big night for the week. Oh, so she's <laughs> going to count it? Of course, it's going to count. Oh wow! Even though you're only coming home like half an hour later than you normally would from the commute. Yes, <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. It's a risk. But you still got some beers and a sausage out of it, so it's true. Win. I'm not complaining. That is an exciting night, either way. But Max, we're going to get to see. This is a real test of your juice in this city if you can get that extra ticket now it's a different promoter than we typically work with so this is like there's a third party in the middle here that's Mm. trying to operate for for me in this case so it's not quite as easy most other shows at echo beach or budweiser stage is a little easier to maneuver yeah yeah yeah, well, the opener tonight is Natalie Prass, who is a former podcast Uh that's right love Natalie you know it's funny i just (laughs) i just realized so um sorry uh was i was wondering okay how are we gonna get in here maybe natalie will be you know, able to hook us up with some tickets. And I remembered on the pod, do you remember when we talked about S Club 7? Yes. Was that in the episode or was it yeah. after the fact? Yeah, it was in the episode. So I just realized, so when I pulled up my text thread with Natalie, uh, the last thing that I sent her, I was quite drunk and it was uh, 6.50 p.m. on Saturday, July 6th. And it is uh, the Champagne Boys. <laughs> this okay this video we will put this on yeah, our instagram story is literally of us at our friend jay kelly's uh diaper party and by the way since this video is taken his baby's been born his baby's been born to jay, Congrats Rebecca, to jay kelly. And little leon so, so yeah that that was sent at uh yeah 650 and uh it, all it's all i wrote was listen close and then she just never responded <laughs> oh my god just, <laughs> 20 dudes dancing with yeah. shades indoors to S Club 7. Yeah, and I was like, and then today I wrote, that was S Club 7. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> so we are in for a big night tonight, which is going to be very exciting. And for listeners that are tuning in, uh, our major guest today, uh, or our feature guest, is uh, Jesse Gaskell and Mike Sweeney, who are writers on Conan O'Brien. They sat down with Shane and I in Montreal at Just for Laughs for an extensive conversation, uh, which Shane and I really, really enjoyed, uh, about writing for that show, about how they got into writing, um, their relationship with Conan and they had some really good Conan gem- gems about the way he works how he operates and then some personal stories about him I really want to know this because I love Conan O'Brien's podcast I highly you're recommend you're going to love this interview oh, do I'm they so get excited. into the podcast what's that do they get into podcast stuff at all no because the conversation like so they have a podcast called Inside Conan it's a podcast about how you make like Conan's late night show uh, which is a very popular podcast I we were going to talk about their podcast but the conversation just kind of got more into the minutiae of their work and then just Conan stories that's great I'm excited to listen yeah Um, yeah because I've always been a big fan of Conan but after listening to him on his podcast I love him 10 times more he his brain works so fast like I think he's the fastest thinking comic mind there is would you would you agree well they get into that he's up there yeah yeah the way he approaches it and like when they bring him jokes it's funny there were times when they were we were talking and they were giving me answers i was like this is right up max's alleyway as far as kind of them sharing how conan will work like if they pitch him a joke and then he has to perform it in the the rehearsal and then he tries to make anyway it's it's really good cool so that's the tease for the interview we'll set it up a bit more as we get closer to um that this is also uh your regular reminder to check out the pedestal Mm -hmm. our uh, our partner podcast with me 
Shane and our friend John Popolis, Mensa member. If you want to listen to more of those, go over to the pedestal feed and uh, subscribe. Leave a comment. Let us know how you feel. Just yeah, and also do that for the uh, Mike on Much podcast, too. Leave us a comment. We're still here. It, all that stuff. Yeah. Just while I'm here, I, I listened to the Ninja Turtles one. Oh! Mm-hmm. It was good. I was getting a little annoyed at how obsessed Shane was with like the size of the people getting in the sewers. Or, like, <laughs> I was like, get, like, just move on. Right? <laughs> but that, but that, aside from that, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Oh. You are a, always very critical of me, though. I right? am, Greg. I guess, yeah. I'm sorry. Greg and Shane go way back. Uh, best friends. You guys met in high school? You and I? Shane? Shane yeah. and I? Yeah, we met in high school. That was great. Who approached who? Like, who was Shane the... once threw a sandwich in my face. Well, Greg once stole my sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it was pimento loaf or something. Anyway, we'll get into that another time. Moving I said, on. if you ask, I'll always say yes. Yes, but you're get every day. <laughs> a call back to <laughs> Every day, you're like, who wants my sandwich? It's gross pimento loaf. I'm not going to eat it. I never brought a lunch. To this day, I was kind of hungry, and I was like, so I just grabbed your sandwich before you asked me. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, oh, I was, I was, you, don't, you don't eat your sandwich ever. And you're like, you're like I w- w- how do you know I'm not going to eat it today? You're like, give it back to me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sorry. I gave it back. And then you picked it up and threw it back in my face. <laughs> and like the meat like slid down my face. <laughs> and I just got so angry. But I, like, I just stood up and walked away. And I, just, I, I walked away from you for a couple hours. A couple hours. A couple all. hours. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was, it was a long time ago. Maybe it was like, I don't know. We didn't, we didn't speak for, for, for a few hours at least. You guys aren't, you weren't in the same grade, though, right? Mm, I was never in the grade I was supposed to be. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, me, me either. I'm really. a year older than Greg, but <laughs> like I think Shane he and was I in were... grade 10 and I was in grade 9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we definitely had classes together, but we had like grade 10 classes together when he was in grade 13 and I was in grade 12. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Shane, is that actually like um, a hard thing to admit? Is, or are you just, do you think it's funny or is there a part of you no. that's like, little pain it's gonna be a point of pride now you're successful that's what i was just gonna say Hmm. it's if when i was working at this second hand store called talese and i was 25 (laughs) it was a point of embarrassment Mm -hmm. so i would just tell everyone i graduated high school (laughs) (laughs) but then when it becomes cool if you get like a normal job that's kind of respectable you can be like yeah guess what i didn't even graduate high school i'm a fucking genius like steve jobs exactly and then you seem like a cool guy yeah cool fair enough did you graduate with honors max high school um Actually, so I didn't try particularly hard throughout high school. I, I was like a solid like 74 student. And then uh, in grade 12, I was like, okay, I, I want to get in university. I want to get to McMaster, which I think the program was 78 to 82 was like the cutoff range. So I was like, okay, and 80 is honor rolls, right? That, I think yep. 80, 80% is honor roll. Nobody so, on this side of the table is attending <laughs> or successfully We've only heard of the yeah. honor roll. I did graduate high school, but I did not go to college or university. Okay. Why were you so hell-bent on McMaster? Because uh, my high school girlfriend, who was a year ahead of me, she was at Mac. You followed a girl to Mac? Yeah. 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 The, the subject of the song Tragic Flaw. My I aunt. failed high school by getting a 49 in gym. So oh, that, yeah. That teacher was a bit of a, an a-hole. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I had a good rapport with all the teachers, and uh, in grade 12, I started to try a little bit harder. In the first couple semesters, like the first semester, I was like, I did like an 82 average. I was like, oh, yeah, when I apply myself, I can do okay. And then I just kind of stopped trying in the last like four months, and my average like slid down, I think, to like a 78.2 or something mm. like that. But then the teachers do this thing for all the grade 12 students that are like on the cusp of honor roll. It's give like, dude, do we want to give this guy a, a break? And they all kind of liked me, so they bumped me up to 80. So, so, so I got that nice. honor roll. It's the power of networking. You realize the power of your charisma could get you into a university. Oh, totally. I had a good relationship with like all the teachers, except for the principal, actually. Whoa. Um, who... 
Yeah, she because I did the morning announcements and I do these parody songs like Adam Sandler style, like to promote the dance and stuff. Oh, no. And uh, could you give us an example of your parody? Oh, basically, dance? I would like imitate like a Britney Spears song, but change the lyrics. Okay. To, to promote the dance, sounds more like Weird Al. Yeah. So yeah. you'd be like, "Oh, baby, baby, the dance is gonna be." Yeah, yeah that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> and she hated it, but everybody else seemed to like it. <laughs> Shane did announcements. There's so I know. popular. Shane, have you guys talked about this on the pod? Before? I don't know Shane if we talked about it? on the pod, but there is a, like um, there's a lot of us that did announcements or were involved. Shane? Yeah. Hold I guess on, if you're yeah, in, I don't know if they can hear you. What's that? I did announcements too. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wait, did did you graduate high school successfully, like honor student? Uh, high school, yes. What was your average in grade twelve? It, it wasn't much above like an eighty. Whoa, mm-hmm. honor roll! Yeah, yeah. still a couple honor rolls in here. Um, Shane did it. Shane's announcers are funny. He'd like, what was the one about uh, the volleyball team that? <laughs> oh, our volleyball team was getting demolished. Like we were the worst volleyball team in the city. <laughs> so I thought it'd be funny to be like, uh, we lost the game uh, eight eight games in a row in the tournament, but next year we're going to regroup, regroup, and come back and win the city championships. But then everyone got so upset that I was making fun of well, the Well, wasn't it because it was at the loss? And they're like, <laughs> the like, volleyball team lost another nail biter. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was at, I believe it was the water polo team. Oh, that's funny. And then the, the coach ran into the announcement. She goes, I have a bunch of very um, upset girls in the other room. <laughs> and then I had to buy them flowers. Okay, you have made it through the 11 minutes that we were able to save. Uh, thank you for sticking around. And, and now, what's the goal here, Producer Max? Uh, well, we just want to re- recreate some of the good laughs, some of the good stories. Tell some you of the know, stories Yeah, that a lot lost. of it was about the wedding that you guys went to. Yeah. I'd like to note that like there is a different energy in July than there is in August. I've been complaining about August all day today because I think August is kind of a shit month, weirdly. <laughs> yeah, because uh, our uh, boss's wife, uh, Danielle Graham, she, she says that August is the Sunday. That's what I've been of saying. Months. Oh, okay. Maybe you invented it. Then. No, no, she no. no. My, great minds. Um, but yeah, and if you think about the, the podcast that we lost, that was like July 31st, yeah. right? It was like the last couple of days of July. Yeah. Now everyone's in a weird funk. Well, two things. So the last thing they just heard was that you made the girls from the water polo team cry during the morning <laughs> <Yes>. announcements. <laughs> and then, well, I was saying I bought them, I had to buy them flowers. It got kind of a big laugh. And then I said, well, actually, the teacher. Uh, bought them flowers for me mm. and said it was for me. Again, another big laugh. <laughs> uh, and and by the way, the part you just listened to, I know we said, oh, this was the best pod. That was the worst part of the podcast. You <laughs> it just, only got better it from got there. It got really good right after that. Yeah. I swear. So are we going to then just like have you retell, like just well, retell the well, story? Well, first we can address Maggie Rogers. We did go to Maggie Rogers that night. That was actually very fun. That was a great night. And we weren't sure mm-hmm. if uh, we'd find a ticket for Shane. That we, Oh, yeah. yes. Of course. This? That was a yeah. great story. In yeah. So because uh, basically there was four of us that were going, but no, five of us all together. And there's four tickets, right? I feel like before we even got there, though, like Erica was really going for it. Oh, yeah. She can hold her liquor. Yeah. Say what you will about her. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the joke being she was on the floor at like 7 p.m. In, in the Uber, she was chirping. Shane and Greg and Max so hard it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, you were on one. It was really funny. Yeah, and then we got we went to there. Dan Hamilton's place for a barbecue. Yeah, and then that's where everyone kind of got a little drunky drunk. No, that's right. Oh yeah, true. Jameson, delicious by the way. But we didn't know what we were gonna do about this concert because we were like, all right, maybe we'll all see somebody that we know. Or because we didn't have this ticket because we Shane. didn't have a ticket for yeah. Shane, but Shane had gotten the approval uh, that he could go out and party. So we kind of wandered around for a second, and then there was sort of the side entrance for 
I guess they have a promotion with Lyft that if you take a Lyft to Budweiser stage, Mm -hmm. you can go in this like sort of quick VIP entrance. So we kind of just like walked through there and I don't, it's not like anybody recognized me in particular. We just kind of look like, of course we're supposed to be here. And then I, you know, you do the thing, you just start waving your hands like, yeah, the wristbands, tickets, you started just, yeah, we had like these wristbands, but not a ticket, not a ticket. And then they were just like, yeah, just, and they just waved us all in and we were in. It was easy. It was, it was amazing, actually. Like, Do you was, think that the ticket taker? I think she knew who you were. May, I mean, it's very possible because it was kind of like we were kind of grouped around you, and then she just kind of let us all in after you kind of said hi and like showed her the wristband. Kind yeah, of I mean that might be true, but I also think there is an element of if you act confidence, confident, yeah. and like you're supposed to be. Of course, I'm supposed to be here. Then you can get into anywhere. Okay, you know, you hear these stories about people like at um, somebody went and sat courtside at like every Golden State Warriors game this that. year, and just because, and even though he never had a ticket, well, no, he, he did. He printed uh, oh fake ones, he's fake ones. Oh, so, oh, so he had it. He had like so you know how all tickets can go on your phone now. Yeah, he had a little like app so he could just alter the ticket so that he would show it to the usher on his phone, and then he would go to like a, a, the courtside seat. Oh, wow! But he thanked the, the the one. There was like a guy that had courts at some Silicon Valley like millionaire who never went to games. He's like that guy alone got like I used his ticket like his seats like eighteen times. Wow! Yeah, That's awesome. But it's kind of crazy that he like admitted it. Yeah. Like I would just. Do keep... you think there's anything they can do after the fact? It's like, is that can you get like in trouble? No, nah, I think. Or is everyone just, just like kudos? You tip your cat cap, and then I think they tighten up all of their. There's going to be some new protocol now for those courtside uh, ushers. Yeah, I, it, I, it crossed my mind. I've mm-hmm. thought of that. The, the scam. When I read how he did it, I was like, I thought of this. I would like if I was enterprising enough, I would do it. Actually, I wouldn't because it would be so damn embarrassing if I got caught doing mm-hmm. it that it's yeah. just like not worth the shame to to get courtside. Yeah, at this point in your life. Yeah, yeah there was a funny it, story about someone with Raptors. Like, there's this guy that was hanging out kind of down in the tunnels, the bowels of the arena, and. He wouldn't have a pass. They're like, hey, where's your pass? He's like, oh, I'm with. And he just knew like someone's – he knew someone's name that he knew all the ushers and everyone would know. And they would be like, oh, okay. And now yeah. then he was hanging, hanging out. They're like, I don't think you're with that guy. Like someone was like, I'm pretty sure you're not with this person. <laughs> and then the guy's like, got to go. <laughs> but it worked all that time. Yeah, it worked. Also, like, the, you know, the nut works there. He, if I got busted, he'd be like, Mike, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, people know you know me. Just too much shame in old age to uh, try and scam things. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, uh, yeah, so we all got, went to Maggie Rogers, and it was an awesome concert. Uh, what happened? We met some pod fans, right? Uh, I don't think they were pod fans. Uh, or Kel's fans. <laughs> the yeah. big lineup for you wasn't because of the podcast. Okay, but yeah. Shane had put on our Insta oh, story, was, yeah. uh, these pod fans are relentless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got a lot of laughs. Yeah, a lot of did. DMs. Mm-hmm. And then did we go out afterward? Yeah, we did. Where did we go again? Some bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, went to Penny's. Oh, yeah, Penny's. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. Tennis is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, we all just kept getting rounds of pitchers or whatever. It's just Dan Hamilton just bought everything and then billed us the next day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't think I drank any of those pitchers, but I can't remember, so I had to pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> he still had to send the money. Uh, yeah, anyway, it was, it was a great night. Thoughts on Maggie Rogers? Uh, yeah, wicked performer. Great vibe there. Yeah, right at my alley in almost every single way. Yeah. So that was great. And then the next day, we were playing in uh, Buffalo. No, two days later, we were playing in Buffalo, New York. And I started getting text messages from Greg. He was like, sometimes Greg gets in a very silly mood. And uh, and it's like, if, if you were, if you had like a coffee or two, and you just like started this campaign in my group thread with him and Dan Hamilton to, uh, to play guitar on stage at the Arkells concert in Buffalo. And he was like... Pull me up for private school. Pull me up for private school because it's part of the show. Where there's a bit where sometimes we'll pull up a fan on the stage, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do that. That was actually kind of fun. You know, Greg, uh, for our listeners, he 
he's been my roommate and also a, a musical confidant for me. Like he's really helped our Kel songs in many different ways over the years. Finally getting my due. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like how that, does he next help I'll the get songs? credit? Because Greg has a great bird's eye view of, uh, of music and he's got great taste. So I'll be like at home putting around on the piano and I'll be like, what do you think I should do here? And then he'll just be like, no, just repeat that line two, two more times and you're good. I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually just the answer. So yeah, he, he could make an argument for songwriting credits, but we, we've never really broached that. But I get, I, get, I get paid back in like getting to jump on stage and rock with the Arkells, you know? That's right. So what happened though was I was a little concerned because I knew they'd be drinking. Every time you go to Buffalo, it becomes like this sort of like full on sort of a party experience. And I was tr- during the whole show, I was getting starting to get really stressed out because I couldn't find Greg in the crowd. You were like trying to spot him. I was trying to spot stage. him. You and also I was, didn't really set it up before. You never really told me if it was happening. You sent me the I kind of wanted to make it a surprise. I know, but then I was like, is this happening? I don't know. And then I'm kind of like not sure what's happening yet. Yeah. So, but I want, I mean, I think a part of the surprise element would, is fun, but if I don't know where you are, and let's say you're at the back, it's kind of a big venue, it was an outdoor thing, and it would take some, you know, five minutes to get to the stage that kind of ruins the whole you know vibe of the, of the show so then i was just like when the time came i was like greg veerman and i could just see uh, over the corner of my eye there was like a chain link fence to my right and i could just see it moving a lot <laughs> <laughs> just swinging back and forth and greg was clearly trying to get in through the chain link fence uh through an opening there and then finally they got him kind of to the front of the stage and then he came up he rocked out super fucking hard. His move was, I want to go back to back with every member of the band. So he, so there's video of him, and he's just sort of chasing around Nick and Mike, just trying to do back to back with guitar. <laughs> yeah, then Max is kind of chasing me around because he wants to like put his, but I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it was good, uh, but, it was, but it actually kind of went up with a few bits in mind. Like I was like, I was like, okay, when I get up there, Max is gonna be like, all right, do, do you know the chords, or he's gonna ask me something, and I was gonna. You had a couple jokes ready. Yeah, I was, I was either going to take the mic from him and be like, I know the chords. This one's in D, boys. Watch me for changes. And then, uh, <laughs> and then just like get it going. Or I was going to, for the guitar players out there, when you told me the chords, I was going to ask, I was like, do you want these chords open or powered? And then I would have got <laughs> And <laughs> it would have got that many laughs. But anyway, so I had that, that all planned out and it didn't really work. And then I also planned to fake like I was going to smash guitar at the end. But mm. I got too caught up in the moment and I was like, this is a great time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so Buffalo was a great success. We went out afterward. We got a box of rocks, which is our favorite tradition that, in Buffalo. Is, so tell people what a box of rocks is. So there's a bar in Buffalo called Frizzy's, and basically you can go to the bar and say, give me a box of rocks, and they'll hand you a case of 24 Rolling Rock stubby beer. So they're not, not full size, but like half size. And they shovel a bunch of ice on top of it. Into they, the beer case. Into the beer case. And then they just give it to you. And then you just walk away with it and drink it into the bar somewhere. $25. It's, it's the greatest it's deal. Awesome. It's so fun. It's such and, a fun the, novelty. It's, oh, oh. it's like getting your own bottle service, kind of, yeah. but but at like a towny bar. <laughs> Buffalo yeah. bottle service. That's Buffalo bottle service, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, and then also, they'll, um, at one point, this big, massive like plank of wood came out and like in the bar, and they basically covered a bunch of uh, tabletops so everyone could play uh, beer pong. <laughs> 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 I'm not kidding. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So fun. So, so, and it's like, because everyone's buying their own case, like instead of buying one beer, which is like, you just think like, well, why wouldn't I buy this deal? I'm going to like $25 for, it's a great deal. So everyone's buying their own case. So at one point, like Max shows up a little later, everyone, and when he gets there, I'm like, oh, who needs beer? So I'm just like grabbing these beers out of the cases and like giving, and then this one guy's like, hey, that's my beer. And then 
I was like, oh, I thought this was mine. Sorry, man. And then I went to grab another more beer from this other case under the pool table. And the guy playing pool is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what? I was like, I thought all these cases are ours. But then I was handing the beers to you, so they didn't like. I feel like they might have tried to beat me up or something. But then mm. they saw. I was like, they're like, oh, and they they weren't that mad. But then I went to the bar, got another box of rocks, and just handed out six packs to both those guys. And they were like, oh, thanks so much, man. That's the oh, nicest thing. Like a show of like, goodwill. Box of rocks saved saved my ass. Yeah, that's right. And you. <laughs> so, thanks. Um, Okay, so are we going to try and tell some of these stories from the last pod? We don't have to. I don't know how. I don't know <laughs> no, how. It's like... Yeah, okay, so basically, like, the Cole's notes of it is... <laughs> the Cole's We went to a, a, a wedding right after JFL. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I was extremely hungover because if anyone's listened to that episode, we drank for four days straight, pretty much. And as soon as I landed, I had to rush home, get my suit, which wasn't dry cleaned. It was covered in, like, toothpaste and a bunch like, mustard and stuff from the last wedding I went to. Where <laughs> I, got, I, I got hot dogs afterwards. Oh, yeah. my. And then, uh, so I was very, like, self-conscious about my outfit. And uh, since I was bloated from all the alcohol I drank in Montreal, I had to wear this very thin T-shirt instead of like a dress shirt underneath because I couldn't fit into my dress shirt. So I showed up very self-conscious to this wedding we were going to. And then right off the bat, Greg Veerman, who's here before us, called me out and said, what are you wearing? A tank top under that <laughs> un- under my uh, sport jacket? So I was like, oh, shit, everyone's going to notice me. Everyone's going to notice me. I look around the room. There's two other people wearing weird outfits. Our very handsome friend, uh, Matt McPeak, who's wearing like kind of like a piratey shirt <laughs> from like the Seinfeld episode, the puffy shirt, but it wasn't as stupid as that. But I'm like, ah, no one's going to make fun of him because he's Matt McPeak, a very good looking guy. Then I look over at Mike and he's wearing Frankenstein's sport jacket <laughs> <laughs> and dress shorts, I guess. <laughs> and then at this point in the story, uh, I believe you pulled out a picture of LeBron I, I, James. I jumped in and I explained what the thinking was behind these, <laughs> these, this outfit. Leading up to Montreal, I didn't have time to basically put my outfit together. Danica, my wife, was like, it's going to be like an outdoor fair. Like, you should be more, like, it's going to be casual. Just wear, like, pants and, like, a dress shirt. I'm like, ah, I don't want to wear, like, a dress shirt. I'm like, I want to wear, like a, like, a suit. But I didn't have time to go, like, actually find a suit. Um, I'm like, oh, it's outdoors, eh? I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll try something a little bit bold. So as inspiration, <laughs> I, I, I had this photo of LeBron James in like he, like you, I look like Angus Young from uh, ACDC and so at, at that point in the pod I showed everyone in the room my inspiration which was this photo of LeBron James everyone exploded and, and we'll post at the me. picture it's really we'll hilarious because we'll it's like a finely tailored beautiful suit and LeBron James on like a perfect as, body yeah, yeah. on a perfect body oh, thanks guys uh, so, yeah, well even Danica when I showed her my inspiration because she's like you're going to wear shorts and I was like yeah and I showed her the photo she exploded laughing said, oh, yeah, as if, oh, because he can't pull off anything. Like, the implication <laughs> being that, like, my uh, short 5'7 frame cannot pull off this yeah, look. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out she was right. Uh, so, <laughs> so I buy the shorts. I, I like, I, I kind of put the outfit together very quickly on the, the Wednesday before we leave. I'm like, this will do. This will do. She's like, yeah, it's an outdoor wedding. You should be fine. I'm like, cool. So I put it on. We get to the wedding. And before we even get to the car, I'm like, I've made a huge mistake. Like this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna go well. And also, our friends, the Champagne Boys. If like if you show up in an outfit like that, I should have known. I should have known. It's like blood in the water with a bunch of sharks. <laughs> They're assholes. And so the minute I like, so I walk up to the thing, and our friends are like greeting us. Our friend Ian Court, who was in the wedding party, is like, "My man." He's like, "You look great." I'm like, "I'm like, oh, I'm like, thanks, brother." So I'm like, "Okay, some confidence, you yeah, know." Maybe I, see I some, maybe this is working. Yeah, Did, I'm didn't like, he say, "Why didn't I think of that?" Yes, yeah. yes, yes, because it was shorts and it was gonna be nice and you know because. 
it's summer out and it was very hot in the backyard. So then I go into the backyard and a couple other people see me and they're all kind of giving me like a, ooh, right? Like smart, you're wearing shorts. I'm like, this seems like affirmation that this was a decent and bold fashion choice. Uh, and then I go up to like the bar and um, my brother comes walking up from like across the lawn. It was an outdoor wedding. And he looks at me and the first thing he says as he's walking by is he goes, it ain't that hot, bro. And then he keeps walking by, like, for wearing shorts. I'm like, okay. I'm like, there's first shot. That was to be expected. It was Greg. And then our friend Sean Dawson comes up, and he was like, oh, you're, all, uh, you're ready to just jump right into that hot tub after. Was there a sale at Diesel? Because I guess they, they were like, the shorts were like jean, but they were dress shorts. Anyway, was there a sale at these Diesel? all got way bigger laughs in the last podcast, trust me. <laughs> the story was far more concise. What, so, so basically, uh, then, then I was telling the part how you, you came up to me and told me that, uh, like, you're like, people have been complimenting me. Yes. You're like, Ian said, uh, oh, why didn't I do that? And he really liked it. So I was like, in my mind, I'm like, I think Mike looks kind of silly. Yeah. But maybe that's just in my head. Maybe I'm the one who looks silly. And I was kind of debating who was going to get teased. Yeah. Anyway, so then uh, someone rounds us up to all get around for the uh, the part when our friend Al was going oh. to be the... Um, so the, the, the master the, of ceremonies or what, what is he what was he like the priest the officiant, the officiant like so yeah. like our friends who got married we haven't even mentioned them which we did war, far more concisely AJ and Carly AJ and couple. Carly yeah. great couple dear friends their best friend like growing up sort of like their third wheel as they were kids uh, was Al our buddy Al former roommates of Greg and I he lived with you Al, guys great roommate. Yeah. Great, great roommate great roommate great guy yeah. hung out with him the other night actually yeah he was the officiant at the wedding mm-hmm. So I for for this part I to avoid ridicule I want to get out of eye line so I go way way to the back and I'm just kind of watching it on this like grassy knoll, but then uh, the officiant Al <laughs> was knoll. was very nervous. What is it? A grassy like a, knoll. A thing of grass. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah, but it's oh. a, a term that's only ever referred for the JFK uh, assassination. <laughs> yeah, it's only ever used in that context. JFK was a, was a president. I know, of the United Did you know he was assassinated? Yes, okay. I've you know, seen the video. And the shooter was on the grassy knoll. <laughs> it was a Pruder film. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you know who who's accused of assassinating him? Um, no. Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do know that name. Yeah. Uh, Go on. No. So you're on the grassy so knoll. I'm, I'm on the I'm on a patch of grass Looking for killer. the millennials yeah. that listening. <laughs> 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 and the the officiant has a very comical way of speaking. It's our friend, but he's nervous. So he was. Before every last word, there was it was almost like there was a semicolon between it. So he'd be like, I'm very happy to be here with AJ and Carly, with whom I love. <laughs> and it was an awkward phrase. I heard it was great, though. So it was great. Yeah. Uh, so let me tell the story here, Max, Sorry. the way I did last time. <laughs> exactly the same way. So it would get uh, big laughs every time he did these weird semicolon pauses, and then he'd have like a weird spurt. So I'm like, okay, this is very funny. I'm going to laugh like everyone else. And then he had, which what I thought was the funniest one, he goes, when I found out they were getting married, my heart exploded. So I'm like, that is a very funny (laughs) phrase that I'm not expecting him to say. So I bust out laughing as hard as I can, (laughs) thinking everyone else is going to laugh with me. But no, it's just me going like, (laughs) (laughs) and everyone in the wedding party, like everyone in the audience turned around and just looked at me. (laughs) So for the people who knew me, it was like, okay. But the people who didn't, which was a lot of people, they were like, this guy's an asshole. And everyone was kind of noting my, the way I looked. (laughs) Well, it's funny because I was standing right beside you. And the minute everyone looks at you, like you're laughing and you're already embarrassed you're laughing. Then everyone looks at you and then you got that thing you get where it's like, you know, and then you're like, stop it. And you're like waving people off. Like, don't look at me. You're getting, you're getting so like frazzled, like turned around. You literally turned your back to the whole crowd. It was the best. So then I'm like, uh Oh, now I'm, I have the, uh, 
the target on my back. So I thought everyone was going to uh, start making fun of me, not only because of my dress, but for the, the way I uh, blurted out that laughter. Anyway, uh, long story short, Mike ended up getting all the ridicule uh, for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, they killed me on the outfit. Although some of the older gentlemen, like uh, AJ, the, the, the groom was like, he's like, no, he's like, my uncles love this outfit. He's like, <laughs> like, well, I don't know what that means. Uh, it's kind of an endorsement, I guess. And then I, I would oh, also when I was like, when I first got there, like, and I, I started realizing the tide was turning. Mm-hmm. Is even like the nut came walking across the grass. He's like, Angus, Angus Young, ACDC. <laughs> I'm like, oh fuck. And well, then he's like, he's like, no, but seriously, it's a great, great outfit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, is, okay, I'm getting killed here. I'm telling Danica, I'm like, this was a disaster. I'm like, these guys are annihilating me. Well, wasn't the joke, too, that you went up to Ian eventually? Well, Ian Court, the guy who complimented you. Because then I got in. extreme confidence in making fun of Mike. Yeah. I'm like, Ian, you liked Mike, You like Mike's outfit? I heard you said he looked uh, amazing and you wish you had worn that outfit. He goes, I was saying that to everybody. Mike looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it was, listen, it was a misstep. I was saying that to everyone. Yeah, I told everyone. <laughs> I, hey, I get it. It's cool. Listen, I took a chance. I also wore these blue velvet uh, shoes, which were kind of sweet. Uh, mm. Listen, we all we all make we, we take chances. Listen, I relate to this because. Um, you know, if you look back over the years of just like my style, it's always based on like me doing something that's kind of bold. And in the moment, I'm like, oh yeah, this is cool. Definitely works. And then I regret like probably. 85 percent things i've ever worn because because it was like me going for it and it just being really stupid i went for it yeah and uh, they all made fun of me and shane on the last podcast also asked he's like you know at one point you were sitting at a table and eating with danica he's like and a bunch of us were standing around he's like did you guys know that we were or did you know that we were making fun of your shorts and i was like of course i did (laughs) it's like of course oh yeah big time um, but you know, with our friends, it was all, uh, it was all very funny and I enjoy, I enjoy a good burn just as much as the next guy. It was also fun because you guys hadn't talked about the shorts. Like you saved that conversation really. <laughs> this last pod that we lost, we saved all of it. We hadn't talked about anything. And yeah. so all of it was very fresh and new. And this is a classic, like we're telling you it was great while we recreate it. Not as great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, the wedding was well, amazing. Well, the funny though. part too is about the shorts. You had kept it a surprise. Like you, you told Greg only that you were going to wear the shorts to the wedding. Yeah. yeah. And you told because me not to you tell thought anyone. it was going to be like, a massive hit. Yeah. You're like, don't steal my idea, but it's going to be an outdoor well, wedding. Yeah. Danica really got into my head that because it was a backyard wedding, Everybody was going to be far more casual. Mm. So I was like, if anything, like this is a good blend of like the shorts for the fucking heat. I think when we're talking my about suit a formal coat. event, though, it's like when you casual, it just means like not wearing a tie. Yeah, no, there is. I still no, was there dressed is Mike. Up. You've seen the photo of LeBron. <laughs> I, I, I still classed it up, man. There is like, do you remember when we went to our Uncle Dave's wedding? I do. And it was like, oh, it's casual. We're just doing it like concert. Like it was in the woods. In it a was conservation like a conservation area or something. Wedding, like yeah. yeah, it was like the middle of summer. He's like, oh, it's very casual. And we're like, okay, so we're like, oh, casual, like that means no ties. So we, we both show up in suits on this like rainy day. We get there and everyone's in just like cargo shorts and a t-shirt. Like even my <laughs> uncle Dave was getting married, just wearing like a they weren't wearing shorts shoes. and like tivas up on. Su- and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we're show up in full suits and we're just like so out of place. It was hilarious. We looked like idiots. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, yeah, it didn't work out. Everyone had a good laugh. I'm glad that everyone had a good time. And Danica was like, uh, she's like, I, I really didn't think it would go this badly. Like <laughs> she, she's trying to like disown. Like the, I'm like, you were supportive of this up until this point. She's like, yeah, but I mean, I, I didn't think it, I didn't think it would go like this. But anyway, and then the party got really fun. There was a big hot tub uh, party afterward. There was, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause it, well, because you had a funny story about your wife jumping in. 
Yeah, uh, she jumped in the hot. She, well, she had a friend's dress that she borrowed, mm. right. and there was a lot of bugs out that night. They were obviously nibbling on Mike's legs, and oh, they were there. They were flashy. I'll send. A, I'll, we'll post some photos of the shorts. Yeah, by we, we got to do like a back to back with you and LeBron. Oh, big yeah, time! No, <laughs> will they be able to tell who's who though? I don't know. But the point is, my wife wouldn't let me spare her down with bug spray when she was sober because she didn't want to uh, tarnish the dress in any way. And then when she was a little intoxicated, she did like a cannonball into the hot tub, <laughs> and then. Uh, you know, lost her phone and her shoes and everything like that. That's so. right. Yeah, you have to go get it the next day or something. Yeah, I yeah. got a bunch of laughs on the last one. But, it really uh, slayed, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, Mike, am I like the enthusiasm here? I don't know. It's like, what's going on? We're trying. We're trying. Okay. We're really trying. Like, there's like, there's like, we we even brought beer to try and recreate the last podcast, but nobody's what? like in a drinking mood. You see, by this time in the last podcast, we're already on our second. At that point, everyone's oh, like totally. choking down. Whole night was ahead of us. But then I'm thinking, but now I have to go back to Dundas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But Lauren was at the wedding. Did she have any good stories? She loved the wedding. She, yeah, she. Um, no, well, AJ, the groom, his sister is like best friends with Lauren from like high school. So they had they had that connection, and she she's known AJ family forever. I'm trying to think if there's anything in particular. Did Lauren so. mention the shorts at all? No, she oh. that did not get brought up. No, didn't say like they look good. It was a bold choice or anything. No, like that. no. Okay. I'll, I'll shoot her text. I'll see what she thinks. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. Um, but yeah, so the wedding was great. Congrats to our friends uh, uh, AJ and Carly on the wedding. Also in the in the interim, a lot of our friends listen to this podcast. Uh, congrats to uh, Felix and Jess. They just had a second baby. Yeah. Congrats. Oh, that was a big part in the last yeah. podcast. Oh, we told Max did an we told Felix Max origin Max story. Did an accent and then oh, you yeah. had this you had this uh, German accent going. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We'll save that for another episode. What? Or well, we maybe, just give, maybe just give us some of your so, German So basically, um, our friend Felix got brought up, and we love Felix. Felix is a very beloved member of the group. He's a very social, social guy. But uh, the, the interesting thing is that the way he came into the group is that he started uh, dating this uh, gal, Jess, who I went to McMaster with. Um, now, the, but the, the story is that Jess was actually dating our friend Julian. This famous shirtless Julian. Famous shirtless Julian, who is... Um, also, one of our best pals. Dating's a strong word. They, they went on dates. They, they went on a like, couple of dates. Like and and Julian, I think, was at the stage of his life where he's like, you know, this this could be the one. Who knows? I don't know. And <laughs> she says, well, I'm going to Dominican Republic with my family for a little family vacation. I'll be back in a week. See you soon. She comes back from vacation and she says, I'm sorry, but we have to end this. I met somebody in Dominican Republic. And so we're on Team Julian at this point, And we're like. Fuck that chick. Who cares about her? Uh, and like, what? And then we're like, what's the story? Who's this guy who she met at the fucking resort, like the all-inclusive resort? Like, give me a fucking break. And it <laughs> turns out, you know, when you when you're really like on your guy's team or whatever. Oh, yeah. uh, so uh, it turns out she's like, this guy's from Germany. And I'm like, oh, give me a break. This is so goofy. I'm like, really? You're gonna turn down our boy Julian? <laughs> Who's literally like the best human ever, like, and also like really fun, really smart, got a good job, great family. You're gonna turn that down for some fucking German dude you met at the fucking like swim up bar? <laughs> <laughs> give, me a, give me a give me a break. You were not this funny last no, time. This this retelling's yeah, working for you. Cutting, like you you need reps with your routines. <laughs> yeah. Now that you've done it once, you're yeah, better yeah. at it. You're so anyway, um, one thing leads to another, though, and it turns out that it's quite serious. And the guy who she's um, married to now is Felix. So, but Felix, um, you know, she moved to Germany for a bit, and then Felix moved to uh, Hamilton. But he didn't really know anybody. Um, but he, he has credited our friend Dan Hamilton, who who is a bit of like a, a rehabilitation program. If anybody's been dumped <laughs> or new in town, Dan will like take them under his wing. 
and like improve their life by like 100 percent so he's uh i remember uh he once told dan uh, in a very sort of sweet moment he's like you know dan hamilton (laughs) 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 he's like you know i just want to tell you (laughs) so here's where i compared it to rather than a german accent enrique iglesias (laughs) he's like you know you saved my life when i when i came to hamilton (laughs) i had no friends but then you took me in you showed me around and you're the reason why I'm still here today. <laughs> wow. Um, which, um, like in the country? or I don't know. Exactly. Off himself? By the way, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know. No, I just think that like when uh, he was feeling like he didn't really have it, he had left his old friend group behind. And uh, now the great, now the beauty of the story is that Julian found the love of his life, Sam, shortly after, and they're married. And uh, Felix and Jess are happily married. They have two kids. And Julian and Felix are literally neighbors. They live back, back to back, and are best pals. Yeah, Felix has kind of become Julian's second love of his life. Like they just they yeah. hang out all the time. So, so it all it all worked out. Okay, so I do I do wonder though if when like telling that story, just Shane, if it gives you like any PTSD of thinking about scurvy and like the <laughs> going away. T- <laughs> oh, what? you're trying to bring up? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know this. Well, I do. Yeah. So, so because oh, there's a heard... similar. Shane went through a similar thing with Julian. That's all I'm saying. Yes, mm. I I had my my first girlfriend. Uh, she went on a vacation. She asked me to go, I believe, but I didn't have the cash for it. So she left, and then uh, you know when she was going on the plane, I I, I decided, uh, well, while she's gone, I'll, I'll write her this awesome love note. Mm. So I wrote like I don't know three or four pages love note, just hor- horribly written stuff, very sappy stuff. And I threw <laughs> a bunch of like candy and like little stuff for her to eat on on the the plane and i put it in an envelope and i was like don't open this till you're on the plane like i thought that's like a romantic cool thing to do mm-hmm. uh anyway she met a guy on her trip and uh <laughs> came back and broke up with me oh, she ended no. up with that guy and didn't you, uh didn't you, didn't you like this is always the heartbreaking part of the story to me didn't you like decorate the room and all that for her return no oh, okay i know that was uh that was another girlfriend <laughs> she didn't meet another guy and she didn't break up with me but i just decorated the room for her when she got oh there. okay I, I i the way i'd heard the story was that you'd put the the balloons up and welcome home and then the breakup no happens. no i just did that for uh, another girlfriend just to welcome her you're home. romantic Thank you. I, 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 is the girl still with the guy who left you no he who left not not that this makes it better or worse but he it made it worse for me he lived in a mud hut <laughs> over in uh, in in belize wow <laughs> But I was living at home with my mom, so it's not like I was doing that great. <laughs> Is the mud hut just like worth the locals? I have all of this home. <laughs> I had no home. He had he had a mud hut. He had his own place. <laughs> he had his own place. He could bring her yeah. back to. He's him. got his own place, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> Let's wait till my mom goes to sleep. And he was like a tattoo artist, but his name was his name was Scurvy. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a disease. In case you didn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, from lack of vitamin C, you can yeah. you can acquire scurvy. Uh, yeah, so it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. No, it did not. But look at you now, married, got a kid. Yep. Happy. It's true. It yeah. always works out. It always works out. Are you nervous? Like if your wife wanted to go on a vacation to Belize, <laughs> would you be like, no, 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 that's not happening? <laughs> no, I, I don't think I'm, I'm worried. I don't have PTSD from it at all. I, I, I learned from it and got more, uh, not, not more confident, but just, uh, I don't know. If someone's going to leave me for someone else, I say leave. I don't get worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sure that's the way you handled it in the moment. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. But I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with me. I, yeah, I know. But I'm sure, is, is, is that is that your process when it happened to you? Well, oh, I was ruined. No, I was, I was ruined. If you ever want to lose 30 pounds, <laughs> that's the best yeah, way to do it. Shane you know went on a crazy say, fitness. Leave. Don't need you. I was ruined. Shane went on this crazy fitness. Like, he honestly got like ripped and like lost a bunch of weight. But to the point where like he was still kind of like hanging out with this girl like a bit when she's back and one time you're in her kitchen and then she's like ooh you have been working out and you just ripped your shirt off immediately to be like hell yeah I have (laughs) (laughs) did I tell you that story or were you there you told me the story oh okay yeah well yeah (laughs) (laughs) working hard bro That's funny, yeah. That, oh, that was also through the time. I remember you coming to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell him one more thing. Yeah, okay. Because you're so you're going through. I'm a hard sure time. this won't be embarrassing. <laughs> Shane had like long hair. He's going through a hard time. But then we were playing. We had a band, Mike and I, called the Racket. We're playing at this bar called the Court Town, and we're playing. And we just see in the crowd like Shane with his long hair, but he's eating like mushrooms out of a little baggie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just watch the show. We could see it, and we're like, oh, Shane's go- going for it tonight. But he was out. You're out with her or something well yeah this was like <laughs> well, like the, the drug mushrooms oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay so we, <laughs> i thought this was, no, no i thought this was oh, part of your, your health oh, kick yeah. or something like no, that. No. <laughs> well it was yeah it was like bag of mushrooms a yeah. day i'll get your abs <laughs> i don't know i don't eat mushrooms so. so well i don't i don't eat mushrooms either this was like an isolated it was going through stuff man yeah, okay. well because she she wanted to like hang out at this uh this racket show yeah. So I was like, okay, let's do shrooms. Because I'm like, oh, if she does shrooms, she'll, she might have like fall back in love with me or uh, something. Have like a revelation, <laughs> like ayahuasca or something. <laughs> I couldn't get my hand on any ayahuasca. So went for the shrooms. <laughs> Much cheaper. Uh, but, but then I, I had very, very long hair. I thought it was like cool, like Nick Valenzi or something. <laughs> I was wrong. And then uh, that night I obviously freaked out, start like crying. like, And then I needed like... I ended up like calling my friend Sean Menard and went to his house and like was just pacing all night crying and looking in the mirror and crying. And then I shaved my head. <laughs> and, and I do not look good with a shaved head, by the way. Yeah, I remember that she seen Shady the mushrooms. I didn't see him for like two days. The next time I saw him, he came back, just shaved head, completely different person. <laughs> Oh yeah. my goodness! Oh, well, should we get to anyway. the uh, to the interview? Hey man, I feel like I feel like it picked up <laughs> yeah, there, you know. And and I hope our listeners don't feel like it was too disjointed. This was a very weird experimental pod. Uh, we are very excited to get to this interview uh, uh, that took place in Montreal, like we said, at Just for Laughs with Jesse Gaskell and Mike Sweeney, who have a podcast called Inside Conan. Uh, we sat down with them in the lobby uh, of the uh, the Hyatt Hotel there, where all the action no, takes it's called place. Called the Double Tree now. Double tree. You're right. You are right. How'd yeah. you know that? You, you told us. Oh, in the Lost Pod. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, they were they were great. Um, Shane and I had just actually seen their show. They did a live podcast like at this venue. And w- what we refer to off the top when we talk about the ties is they did this thing where they brought a bunch of Conan's show-worn ties with the name of the guest on the back. So it was like, this is a tie from 2005 and Tom Hanks was the guest. And they were giving them out to the crowd oh, at the end wow. of the show. Okay. It's a really cool thing because obviously he probably has like a thousand ties. He doesn't yeah. do repeat ties or whatever. Um, and the people in the crowd were like loving it. And I, we were even like, that would be very cool to have one of Conan's like show worn yeah. ties. Because you could go back, Google the episode and be like. But we yeah, just feel so spoiled. We didn't want to be a part of it because we'd feel like guilty because all totally. the free stuff we got. Exactly. Like the people that are there, like they're holding passes. So we don't want to like, you know, get into the mm-hmm. frenzy for the ties. But the thing I bring up, which was so fascinating, is once they decided to give away these like 10 ties, 
they have to choose who's getting the ties. Mm. And it just looks like it's hell when you have to make those choices because it's like for a room full of like like 100 people, it's like you're going to make someone's day or you're going to reject them on this sort of like giveaway. Mm. It's just too much responsibility. Yeah. Do you ever get that when you're like bringing someone up on stage when you have to say no to one and yes to another? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I make a point of not looking anyone in the eye when I'm trying to like figure out who's going to be the, like the mystery guitarist or anything. Like yeah. That. Yeah. It's, it is it is a tricky one. Though. What's the best way for maybe if they, because a lot of our Kels fans listen to this podcast, for, the, for if they're a mystery guitarist and they don't know you and live with you like Greg, <laughs> what's the best way for them to get on stage and play with you? How oh, should they approach it? Um, um, I think that it, it, like when I say like who who knows how to play guitar, if you point yourself like yeah I can do this, like have that little bit of look in your eye where you're like oh yeah give it to me, like you, because if if you kind of look a little unsure, I'm not gonna choose you. Also, if it feels like um, if you have like sometimes people backpack or it, sometimes it looks like it's gonna be hard to get on stage, like you have to kind of look nimble. Yeah, so so if you look like you're nimble and you're ready to go, like sometimes like if there's like a, an older person and the stage is like ten feet high and and the only way to get up on stage is by jumping up on a monitor, I might not be able to choose you. So that's really it. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So get younger and uh, be confident. Yeah. But it, it did get weird with the ties at one point because someone <laughs> yelled, "How about you give it to a woman?" Yeah. Oh, and no. then I was like, "Ooh!" And mm. then, then we we just left because we didn't want to like, put our hands. <laughs> yeah, we were like, "We got to get out of here, <laughs> yeah. set up for the interview." Uh, and so they sat down, and like I said, uh, I think that people are really going to enjoy this. We loved having the conversation. We went deep. They have so many cool anecdotes about working with Conan O'Brien, uh, who obviously we're huge fans of. Uh, and like I said, this took place in the, the the sort of lobby bar, so there is like a little bit of noise. It feels like we're at a cocktail party a bit hopefully it's not uh, it doesn't bother you too much but uh you c- kind of really feel like you're sitting there with us at the table uh, jesse was having a glass of wine you know i think mike had a glass of wine too so it was like it was a really cool kind of fun casual conversation roughly i don't know 35 and 52 maybe? something like that okay. mike so mike has been there for 25 years or something like that on conan and jesse's only been there in the last five years so we get into that in the interview okay. and basically their um their frame of reference and working with conan because she's sort of more new he was there through obviously all of the uh the drama and controversy that happened with the tonight show and we mm-hmm. we talk a bit about Ooh, all that stuff that. so yeah it's very cool uh, again, listeners, thanks for coming on this journey with us. Sorry we lost that that clip. Hopefully, uh, this episode, uh, the, the card doesn't die on us. We're still trying to get to the bottom of what happened. But what uh, do we rate this episode? Oh, I'm I not think, even going to think about I it. I think I'd feel like a seven point eight out of yeah. ten. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. You agree with that, Shaney? Well, I don't think I'd put down the mic and be like, "That was a good one," but mm. I would say like, "That was okay." Well, I will say, picked up at the end once Greg asked the questions about yeah, the Yeah, thanks, Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw where it was going. I was like, I got to save this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch, watch me for the changes, all right? <laughs> all right, uh, let's get to Jesse Gaskell and Mike Sweeney. Just for laughs, is it, this is your first time in Montreal? It is. We went to your taping today, so oh, we you were did? sitting. Yeah, oh, it was cool. a great show. Okay. That was very hilarious. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. oh, that's nice. Yeah, we were there for we we left just as the ties were being handed out because oh, we yeah. had to prep. Well, Smart move. You didn't miss much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it felt like it was devolving. It's always like it's a great responsibility when you're choosing who gets the I tie. Know. Right. You're, you're so looking out in a sea it. of faces. It, it's, it's very nerve wracking. I'm glad you understand. Yeah. Yeah. You must have given away ties in your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hobby of mine. Um, <laughs> to understand the the pressure and the responsibility. Well, on our pod, we like to sort of get into the uh, the minutia. Should I talk loud? I just don't want to. I can hear you. Yeah, I'm the one who's hard of hearing. I can hear fine. Cool. 
Uh, we like to get into the minutia of sort of how creatives do their work, how they got into their work. And I think comedy writing is one of those fascinating careers where people are like, how does one become a comedy writer? It's like, do you go to school? Right. And then, right. so I kind of wanted to, to start there. Like, how right. did you end up at Conan initially? And then I'll, I'll move on to you, Jesse. Unless you want her to go first. I, I have no it. preference. Go ahead. Or do you no, want? Okay. you can. <laughs> I ended up at Conan in a weird way. Uh, I was a stand-up comic for nine years in New York City. And uh, I started doing warm-up for some TV shows that taped during the day. And then uh, uh, someone recommended me to do the warm-up at Conan. Huh. Uh, you, when you find out about that gig, are you like, shit, this is going to be awesome? Or are you like, it's not really my thing? Or are you like, this is amazing? No, it was... It was um, Actually, I submitted to be a writer on Conan when the show started, and they had already staffed everyone. At least that's what they told me. <laughs> and uh, But they bought one of my ideas uh, for a remote, and they shot it. Uh, uh, and they invite, uh, Robert Smigel, the original uh, head writer, invited me to go on the remote. So I met Conan and Andy and Robert Smigel in August of 1993, before the show was even on the air. Wow. Uh, and then, but they didn't hire me then. And then two months later, they brought me on to work on monologue for a couple of days. But then I had to go on a, a stand-up tour. So um, while I was away, they hired somebody else. So I'm like, okay, um. <laughs> I'm never meant to work there. Heartbreaker. And then, uh, then they hired me to do the warm-up. And then while I was doing the warm-up a few months, they said, do you want to submit again to be a writer? And I didn't want to do it because I loved the warm-up gig so much. It was really like I was doing stand-up at night, and I did 10 minutes there every day in Rockefeller Center. And I loved it. It was great. You know, the crowds were great. And I was like, if I submit again and don't get hired to be a writer, I'll feel, I'll feel crappy coming here every day. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily, they took – I submitted, and I think they – also, they took pity on me, so they hired me they to be a writer. They read your diary. Too. Exactly. <laughs> so, that, and also, I feel that's like if they're, up there. if they're listening to you do the warm up every day, they must have an idea of sort of how you're thinking and what you can yeah. contribute. Uh, no one, no one was, it was listening. It's probably a formality that you submitted. <laughs> yeah. No one was listening to me do the warm up. <laughs> is the warm up more like crowd work, or is yeah, it, it was just crowd work. Right. Nice. Like I, I living in LA now. There's a whole. Like for sitcoms, because mm -hmm. it's so many hours, there's a whole kind of rigmarole that go like handing out, like giving out candy, and candy, it, yeah. and shirts, and all this stuff, ah. and, and getting people to do different things. And um, no, I only had to do like ten minutes, so I just went up and did crowd work, which I did a lot of my act. So it was very simple. Cool. But anyway, but all, early on, a lot of the the writers. Uh, some came from stand-up, some came from improv, some people just came, like, from writing for other TV shows. So it was really varied, and there, there, there truly is no set rule for how, how to get into it, I, I would say. Mm -hmm. Right. Stand-up's a good place to start, I guess, because you'll get seen. Stand-up's yeah. great. You know what? I think doing something you like in comedy and meeting like people who, who are like-minded... And making friends in that in that world, and then 
the longer you're in it, it's, it, I don't know, it's like starting a plumbing business. Like you start getting. Yeah, you get contacts. You get contacts. Uh-huh. You get word, You get recommended for jobs. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally that I think that's. No, definitely. Yeah. And it's just slow. It builds over time and it feels like. You know, one day it feels like it's never going to happen, and then right af- in, over a few years you might yes. start having small leads on things. And it is, yeah. uh, I think, some of the early rejection. You think that was it? Uh, I they said no, nothing, nothing good will ever happen, and then it's a lot of it's just hanging in there. Yeah. But Jesse, how did uh. you come to come? <laughs> Um, I guess I came the way of uh, having written on other shows before that. But how do you get into writing for a show? Yeah. Well, for me personally, I had been, um, I mean, I had always been into sketch comedy and I wrote, I had a sketch group in high school and then in college. And then um, I got a job as a production assistant on a show called The Soup that uh, was hosted by Joel McHale and it was like a reality show clip show. Oh, yeah. We know the soup. Um, yeah, you know yeah, the yeah. soup. Okay. Uh, sometimes I have to explain. I have to go talk soup. And then I say, <laughs> you know, Greg Kinnear. And then th- then that usually gets them there. But um, <laughs> so I was a production assistant on the soup. And they knew I wanted to be a writer. And I would write and pitch jokes for the show and sometimes got jokes on the show. And then uh, the soup spun off into a few other types of soup. And one of those, there was like a web soup and a sports soup and the dish, which was soup for women. Um, Because they have to have, I think, a more room temperature soup. It has to not be quite (laughs) hot. It was just for women? Well, it was on the Style Networks. It was was hosted by a woman. The idea was just like, oh, we could have a more female-centric soup um and so then i left to i i helped write the pilot for that one and i left to be a writer on that version wait you wrote you wrote the pilot for it yeah oh. for the I dish know. for the dish yeah yes. all right and uh and then i was there for about six months and i became the head writer of the dish and was there for three years um just like quietly enjoying life and after that got canceled, I bounced around and wrote for other um, pilots that didn't get picked up for VH1 and for Comedy Central. And then I ended up on a show that was hosted by Dion Cole, who was a writer for Conan, who, who had developed his own show for TBS. And I got hired as a writer on that show. But that show was only, I mean, that, that job only lasted a few months. And uh, after that was done, I submitted to Conan. And I think, and it was my second time submitting to Conan, turning in a packet. Uh, but at that point, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I think you guys already kind of knew that I, who I was yeah, from Dion's show. I, okay. Yes. No. I need you, to. You came highly recommended from the Dion show. Okay. So I and assumed that I had really sort funny. of an in yeah. through that, that you knew no, I. But your submission was really funny. So, yeah, and? so that's what I've been telling people. <laughs> I mean, I should have confirmed this with you. Well, do all the because writers see your submission? Or are you, part, are, you part of, are you a hiring writer? At the time, writer? I was a head writer. Oh, right? got you. Okay. So, so yeah. I was a head writer, like, from 2000 to 2015. Got you. So does no. that mean you get the final say on the all hires? No. Oh. I, uh, well, I would, I would go through all the submissions mm-hmm. and pare it down. And then 
usually the normally I'd nail it, cut it down to like 10 people and then go over it with Conan. Right. But as time evolved, the, the last few, I guess, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd go over it with Conan, but he'd be like, okay, you know. Just pick one. I don't think one? I yeah. interviewed with Conan before. No, you interviewed. Yeah, I just with interviewed me. with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was so. in that time where you're saying, "Oh, that lasted a month here, a month there." Is there was there ever sort of a fear, like, or was work pretty steady? Were you like, "Ah, I keep getting oh, jobs." Oh, there was fear constantly. Really? Oh, my parents were sending me links to grad school programs. <laughs> no. My dad, yeah, my dad wanted to meet me to be a court interpreter because that uh, was like <laughs> steady work. It's a steady gig. Yeah. There will always be crime. Oh, so they. Like they all the way through worried. this, they yeah. were still worried and they were saying, so worried. And this really? was like seven years into working in television. Like and what? You're already established. I know, but not but for them. But it not wasn't. It was like I didn't have health insurance. You know, it was yeah. scary. Well, how are um, they now? Now they're. I think they're. they're You're fine. legit now. Now yeah. they're worried. Yeah. Now it's the grandchildren. That really? Oh, that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have health care? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Right. I have right. to worry about them. Uh, well, that's normal. But yeah, no, freelancing is, it's like Mike said, Mike Sweeney, uh, it's sort of a, you have to outlast the other people that are also freelancing because right. it's like a, a war of, of attrition. drop away. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it is kind of, I mean. It takes faith too, man, because while all of yeah. your peers are doing, you know, getting conventional jobs, leading more conventional lives, to work in entertainment is almost like it can right. be hit or miss. And I, I always find this fascinating with friends of ours who are sort of in that business. It's like, if it's not working out, how long do you stay out there and wait? Is right. it six yeah. months? Is it three years? Is it like right. Dennis right. Franz waiting to get NYPD Blue? You keep extending your yeah. deadline. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> when did Dennis Franz get NYPD? He was like 40, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it was like he was like was this. Was that his first big break? That was his big break. Oh, I didn't know that. So I feel like people John like Hamm actors, also was almost 40, I think. No way. Really? On, yeah, when he got That's on That's the rumor we're yeah. starting. Yeah, <laughs> People <laughs> no, listen to this pod. he was in his pod. late 30s, I think. I, when I was younger, like I I did something else entirely in my 20s. So I didn't start doing stand-up until I was 29. So people who started late was so like, that's what kept me going. <laughs> Just knowing. Looking up those people that succeeded yes. later in life, yes. you mean? Yes. Yes. Because mm-hmm. otherwise I'd be like, oh, I just, I shouldn't eat. Because I had family telling me too, because I started doing stamp when I was 29. They're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But I was just like, oh, this is what I want, or this is what I want to do. Yeah. Did so. they think you were funny though? Or were they like really like, eh, he's all right. <laughs> you? <laughs> Mike, uh, <clears throat> we've been recording you. Let's play it back and you tell us. But, no, I used to be, a, I was a lawyer before that, before oh. I did stand-up, so. So you were comfortable talking in front of people already? No, I, you know what? I never wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. And um, so. Then why'd you do it? Familial pressure? Well, I had a crazy mother who talked me into it. Mm-hmm. But that's, it sounds lame, but she was ferocious, believe me. Sure. She, she could have all three of you. You'd be a geologist if she wanted you to be. You'd be an ophthalmologist, and I, I'm not sure what you would be, but she would tell be you, and you were like, I got to do it, guys. Yeah. She was formidable. But the second um, I started doing stand-up at night, and the second I was making like $50 a week doing stand-up, I quit my law job. Wow. And just did stand-up. So. Did you say $50 a week? $50 a week. Wow. By... My, uh, was that I, a wow because that's good pay or low pay? Uh, I think that's 
slow to quit your job as a lawyer. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. you made more as a lawyer, I would <laughs> yeah. He was a terrible lawyer. <laughs> I was in church. Early 90s. Yeah. True. I'm really. Please, you know by looking. People can't see how old I am, but dear God. Um, no, I, I, my rent, I had an illegal sublet in New York, and it was $200 a month. Obscenely low. Wow. And so the 250 a month was like, yeah. you know, I kind of could squeak through. And you had money saved. I, I had assume. no money wow. saved. No money saved. But you saved. really want, I mean, you obviously wanted I, it. I just wanted to it. die. Yeah. I was so, I felt like I'd been a caged animal for like 10 years. I didn't even question it. Like, I was just like, I'm going to go for it. You know? Which is inspiring to succeed in entertainment after sort of doing that. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I, I just was like, I'm going to. I, it was the first time I like doing comedy. I felt like I was among people that I was spo- like. These were your people. Yeah, and I did not did not feel that in law school. Um, you know, obviously, you guys, you do the podcast and you have a chemistry. But I'm always fascinated within your job as writers. Is it competitive? Like, I imagine there's a camaraderie, but like, is there sort of a natural sort of one-upsmanship or even a competitive nature to the work? I think there's a. I think we're competitive about making each other laugh because that's sort of the yes. ultimate, um, like that's the ultimate validation for our comedy writers to make other comedy writers laugh. I have a feeling like, yeah, you're respected by your fellow by writers. Your peers, yeah. So I, I think our job, I mean, and I've worked in a, a number of different rooms and I, it's a really good energy in our room and it's not competitive in a mean way, but I think we're all... Um, driven I'll say driven instead of self-hating but we are it's a little bit of that too um, that we all want to constantly be like impressing the rest of our peers I yeah I think that's right and I'm I don't know what it was like in these other rooms you worked in like I've heard stories because I've been like at Conan's it's the only show I've really worked on and it but I've heard stories about other shows where it's like uh, the writers are really mean to each other yeah. I like I'm still like that's that scares me right. if someone's mean like I mean we're all basically mean but but actually <laughs> being mean <laughs> to your, someone you're working with is that we, upset we're mean upsetting. to ourselves more than each we're other mean, yeah. we beat ourselves up and also I think on our show it's a day it's an everyday show so you don't have like you, you really pull for each yeah. other, and you want everyone to do well. It's kind, of, it's real. I think it's really. I'm always teamwork. happy when someone else pitches something that gets on the air because that means absolutely now that slot is filled it, and I don't have to. It's less work. Yeah. you have to do. Yeah, <laughs> pick yeah. that idea. But yeah. how, how does it work? Are you guys all like in a room for like five hours, get the jokes together, then Conan comes in and you pitch the jokes to Conan? It it var- well the, it used to be. It's still bifurcated in the way that there's people to right now. There's two writers who just concentrate on the monologue. Mm-hmm. So they're literally writing one liners. And then the rest of the writers are quote unquote sketch writers. And some things we, we call gang writing. We'll sit in a room together and it just things lend themselves to everyone kind everyone of yelling ideas yeah. and it gets it gets plotted out together in a room. And then some things are very individual efforts, like it's a pitch for an ad parody. Like Jesse might pitch something and then it's like, okay, Jesse, go off and and write it. And then she's, you don't see her 
until the show because she's spending all. Well, I don't want to yeah. talk for you, but it's you no, have yeah, to produce the whole thing. No, yeah, you kind of and you do it. You you might do the whole thing yourself, and then you bring it to the floor for rehearsal, and that's the first time anyone's seen any of it or even heard of what the concept wow. is. Right. Um, and so then that's really scary because you're. It's like, oh, this is all mine from start to finish. I have no one to blame this yes. on. Yes. Um, it, it's the. On our show, that it's the old SNL model where the writer produces the entire bit. So if it's great, you get all the accolades. But, uh, you know, if it doesn't go well, yeah. There's no you, one to throw under you the own bus. It. There's, yeah. no, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> but we truly, it happens to everyone. It does. So you, everyone, like, everyone's just, like, moves on if something gets cut. And so many things get cut. Do you guys have... Uh, question for both of you like a single piece that got on that you're like I'm proudest of that it's so hard for me because I always make reasons why I didn't like that thing later (laughs) (laughs) um well you yeah I'm sure anything once it's sat on the shelf a while you're like oh that could have I if I had another day to work on it because a lot of things you have to make and you pitch it in the morning and if it's super topical idea especially in today's news cycle world, it's got to be on by that night or it's yeah. old taters by the next day. Yeah. So you're literally rushing to slam it together the same day and get it on the air that night. And I find a lot of times when I've had to do that, like you're, if it gets on and it does well, great. But you're also like, oh, if I had another day, I could have added this and that, yeah. you know. Yeah. I just remembered one thing. I'll just to give you a specific. So you have one. Because our listeners will Google it and they'll I get know. to see your work. This is the only thing that popped in my head, and I don't know why. But there was a story that, um, uh, wh- like, w- white supremacists were getting kicked off of dating apps. And so <laughs> I created an ad for a dating app specifically for white supremacists right. called Aryan Mingle. That was great. And, and then it was like, but it was all men. <laughs> and then there were two women on there and one of them was blind. <laughs> and when she, when she was told what web, what, like who she was swiping on was very upset right. about it. And that was, that was really, that's a really funny bit. That's very all funny. I can think of. Is there ever a time, like I was listening to a podcast with Anthony Jeselnik and uh-huh. he, he used to write for uh, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And he was saying he'd come up with really funny stuff, and Jimmy would come in and say, this is great, but, but it's just not for me. It's too mean. I'm right. going to come off bad. Right. Yeah. Is that ever the case with Conan, where he's like, I love this, however, this doesn't fit into... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is his style? Like, how would you define it? You know, I, I would say the main time that comes into play for me is if uh, Conan doesn't like to be too politically strident. Like, if... Um, you know, if something feels like it's kind of taking too much of a uh, sort of uh, like there are comedians that who right now that's that's mostly what they're doing is they're they're, they're taking down our our current political system and like it's kind of you you hear the patriotic music swelling and it's maybe yeah. going to get an applause from the audience. Conan shies away from that. And he likes stuff that's a little more offbeat or right. like silly. really smart, dumb humor kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and the more evergreen it is, and by evergreen I mean mm-hmm. it would still hopefully be funny five years from Regardless now. Regardless of yeah. who the president is uh, or the current political right. climate, exactly. Right. Yeah. He, I think that's the stuff he loves the most, more than. Um, I, I think he feels Something like topical, topical quick hits yeah. 
are almost kind of easier in a way, in a sense, to do than... Well, and than, especially now, a lot of times those well, yeah. stories have already been chewed over on oh, Twitter yeah. and on the other late night shows. So it's, you know, I think it's a, also comes out of not wanting to be making the same joke right. or same point that right. everyone else is making all the time. Right. But back... And but all and also but back when I was head writer, sometimes I deliberately put in stuff in rehearsal that I know he would never do, but it would be fun for him to see in rehearsal. Right. Sometimes those things would get on, but usually he'd be just be horrified. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know what? You never know. It's not an exact science. Like a lot of times, things that you think are too dicey, where he's Conan's mm-hmm. not going to go for it. He ends up loving, and then stuff you think he's going he's to gonna, love. Yes, it's a shoo-in, yeah. He's going to love, this is going to be such an easy rehearsal. Everything goes up in flames, and he turns and goes, uh, what are we doing today? Everything yeah. just got cut. Huh. Yeah, there's, it's very. It's I think it's related har- to what he had for lunch. Yeah, it's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> there are, yes, yeah. there are many tea leaves we all try to read. <laughs> sure. But it, the bottom line is, there's no guarantee. How is he as a as a boss, or a, you know, I guess he's the leader of the show. It's his namesake, obviously. <laughs> All roads lead to Conan. Uh, <laughs> and there was that documentary when he was off the air. I can't remember what the doc right. was called. Fascinating doc, though. And I, it was like Conan O'Brien won't stop. Yeah. Conan O'Brien can't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop. It, it was an interesting peek into can't sort stop, of yes. his idiosyncratic nature and the way he can be. Do you guys? My sons are in that. Shout out to Matt and Luke. Oh, sweet. Uh, <laughs> That, do Cameo. you guys find him uh, to be easy to work with, or is it something that you have to navigate? And I'm, I don't know how candid you'll be. Obviously, he's still your boss. but I mean, you were talking about, oh, do we do stuff that's too mean? That he, like, off camera, he's hilarious and hilariously mean. Like, he figures <laughs> out he figures out what all our weaknesses are right away, yes. and then just, like, he can... Needles you, yeah. Come in the writer's room and just... Like, uh, okay, who am I going to get today? Yeah. And he's a master at it. I mean. But it's so funny that you can't. I mean, the thing that I always find with him, because I've I've worked for other people who, at the end of the day, I was a little, you know, I wasn't sure I respected their their comedy authority, like their their notes and and sort of their point of view. I wasn't always sure that I believed in it, but I do believe in I mean, I, he's he's a really great com- comedy writer and yes. a hilarious person right. in all facets. So, you know, I feel like he's earned kind of where he's at. Yes. And it also never feels, uh, even when he ribs us, there's not teeth to it. Because, you know, no. a lot of the writers have been there for 25 years. So there's like... You know, it's more of a family, like an older brother kind of. It is. It is his ribbing us is his kind of way of like breaking the ice every day. Like yeah. just, yeah. So it is all kind of, and people give it back to him. So it's a lot of back. Oh, he loves it when people give it back. To him. Oh yeah, for five minutes, and then he comes <laughs> back twenty times harder. But <laughs> but he, uh, no, we. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, we get to laugh all day. Like we're. Yeah. I'm laughing really hard all day, and he's, you know, you talk about being a good comedy writer. In rehearsal, I, sometimes I almost think he's showing off. He'll, we'll rehearse something, and he'll just 
give all these notes on a piece and zero in on like oh that if it's a live piece like oh that shot should be wider that shot should be like he's directing and he's always it. right he's yeah. always right rarely i i've said this before sometimes right like i've had times where i like i'll push for a joke for him to do and he'll go oh you know he'll go you want it okay i'll do it and then it's like <laughs> no don't no don't do it cuz now you're going to try to you'll sink do it. it but you you might sink it yeah. But anyway, he'll and then it becomes a game. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to do it. And then he'll do it on the show. And if it doesn't do well, he'll look over <laughs> and just with a shit-eating green on his face. But the other thing he'll do is if he adds something to a comedy piece in rehearsal yeah. and it gets a big laugh, he'll also look over on like, camera and with a, like a big like, right. mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. Yours truly. Well, he's really good when the joke doesn't go well. It's almost yes. better with yeah. him. To get his right. way out of it. I yeah. know. And that's what is... It's funny to write... I mean, it's not like we're meaning for the jokes to not do well. No. That's not ever our intention. Right. But I do think it almost is better when... Yeah. Or when a sketch goes off the rails and props misfire and things don't happen right. It's always funny. You always kind of... Wi- yeah. I mean, you don't actively wish for it, but the second something goes off the rails... Y- everyone feels alive. Get excited. Yeah. yeah. Do you like, guys all line up to watch the show sort of deal? Or are you guys all kind of there? Like, no. you're saying he looks off the camera. Oh, oh that, that, the that's the head writer. Yeah, he'll look at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. got you, got you, got who's, you. Who's out in the floor. So that's we like. We all a, watch from different places in yeah, the building. Like, now Some I watch from my the office. Com- from, the, from the safety of our own desk. Yes. yes. You just have the feed coming through. You're watching yeah. it live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, yeah, yeah. interesting. So, yeah. we all watch kind of upstairs. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of interested in and this might have been before your time Jesse but when you when the Tonight Show thing happened I'm just I'm always interested in the vibe about that because it's something that people on the outside read about and they're like who knows what's going to happen what's you know was there a sense that Conan's going to figure this out or was there a real fear that it's like we might be looking for a new gig um, well when that happened I remember that day like uh, Conan said uh Come out, meet me outside. Let's go for a walk. Uh, something interesting's happened. <laughs> and then he was like, he told told me, you know, what was going on with uh, NBC. Came and said, you know, proposed Jay going on at eleven thirty five, and then Kono come on at twelve oh five. And you know, we we were just stunned. We'd only been on the air seven months. Yeah. So. But there was no, there was. I don't think there was ever a worry that we, he wouldn't figure out what to do and ha- how to handle it. It just, I, I, I think he's really confident about processing when, when, when big challenges come up. I think he's really good at looking, stepping back, looking at it, and figuring out all the different ways to approach it and what's best for him. So, no, I, I mean, I can't speak for everyone who worked on the show, but but I, I think he has a an inner... Like, like, when he started the show in 1993, he's told me stories about, you know, he took over for Letterman, and uh, back then there, were, there was Letterman and Carson and Conan. You know, it's not like now when there's so many late-night talk shows. Absolutely. And the amount of focus on Conan was insane and the initial reviews 
uh, were really tough. And I, I can't imagine this inner confidence yeah, he has on a very gut level that got him through that. Like, I, I think most people would have just mentally folded. And I, I think having survived that and thrived after that uh, on late night for so long, I mean, I, I think he has an inner core of strength that at the Tonight Show, you know, as hard as I was, he had, could draw on to, to figure out how to work through it. That's fascinating. I'm, you've you've been on the show for five years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was before. That was before me. Yeah. Right. Did and did you find as a, as a, a team or a, a family, if it is like that, you guys sort of felt like us against the world. Like, did you get tighter through that process when you then reemerged with the TBS um, and all that? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, to me, it was just like, oh, this is fun. This is exciting because <laughs> I, I like I like craziness and drama. So I'm like, oh, this is ex this is unexpected. Uh, but I no, I mean, he pretty quickly got the show on TBS yeah. so before he went on tour as he was getting ready for this tour. He decided to go out on a live comedy tour. Yeah. When the Tonight Show got canceled. And while we were rehearsing that, he got the TBS show. I was like, okay, now I'm, so things fell into place quickly. I'm going to do a tour, and then I have a new show on TBS. So I don't know. It, Some people just had a paid vacation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So it seems like you're saying that you, you can thrive in chaos, or at least you you, you don't mind the chaos. Uh, he loves chaos. Right. I, I like chaos. He really, he, I, he has said that, when things go crazy and chaotic, it literally calms him down. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah, like his reaction is, ah, okay, I like. I like this is where I live. I want to, yeah, I want to <laughs> make sense of all this madness. Do, how do you f do with chaos? Uh, I, this is too much chaos for me. In this room right now. <laughs> I want to go to my hotel room and just be very quiet for a while and lie very still for two hours. Maybe, you know, put some ice cubes. To, no, to but I mean, it's it. like we get in the middle of a lot of, on, especially on the, I get to go on the travel shows with Sweeney and right. Conan. And right. there are days that are just like our whole plan went out the window and we have to make a lot of decisions on the fly. And we're in a right. foreign country and it's hot and everyone's right. hungry. And you're like, you know, what do we, how do we make comedy here? Right. <laughs> nah. um, and that is, it is, it's really exciting to be in that situation. Right. I think that's. It's, it's part of why this job is so right. fun and why time goes by so quickly. I mean, the time that I've been there has flown by because you're constantly, like, every day is so different and there are new challenges and you're just, the second you feel like you're getting good at something, then the, things totally change and you have to learn a new skill. Is it more fun than it is stressful? Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. But it is also, it is stressful, but, you know, it's it's stressful in a way that, you also can step back from and be like, at the end of the day, there are no lives at stake here. Right. We're not doing emergency surgery. And I think you learn to manage that. I used to liken it to putting out a newspaper every day. Like, it has to come out. Like, the audience is loaded in and the show's taping. And it's got to be done by ready to go at 4.30. And I, I think you just get, like anything, like any muscle you build up, you just get used to it. Yeah. So the stress of that lessens and you get to hopefully enjoy it more. But you just mentioned um, things going haywire. We were in Japan last year with Conan and we were flying to oh, this place yeah. called Conan Town, 
based on Conan, Detective Conan, which is a anime character, and we we got into a like a, a little fake fight with them. But anyway, <laughs> we were in Tokyo. We, we were flying up there, and the town had mobilized to greet us. And they were coming out to the airport, and it was called... They like sent Co- busloads of people out there. They sent yeah. people to meet us with giant banners. And so we got off the plane, and, you know, uh, Jesse and I were talking to the cameramen, and we're like, okay, guys, you go downstairs because there's going to be a crowd. Everyone's here to greet Get Conan. Get ready. You got to shoot all the... And, and our local producer fixer comes up and he's very soft-spoken he goes uh we could barely hear him he goes we're at we've landed at the wrong airport <laughs> oh shit and i'm just like i'm sorry what he goes we're at the wrong airport <laughs> but it turned, they had two airports yeah there were two airports they on sent this, the people to the other airport yeah everyone was at the airport we were supposed to be at and we were two hours from that airport but an hour from the town we were supposed to end up in so we had to, we had to just like not. There's no time to like. No. Did you change the joke? Was the joke now? No one was there. Well, now now it was. Conan, we went to the wrong airport. We right. went there. <laughs> Conan on camera saying, "I went to the wrong. We went to the wrong airport. I've got to get to this town." And then it became a little. We're like, "Oh, it could be fun to see how we got to the town," but we were. We were a little stressed. Mortified. Well, and I always feel so bad when regular people are involved, and it's like people who have, you know, are have driven for hours to be somewhere and are like hoping oh, for their awful, moment yeah. with Conan, and like, and then we have to disappoint them. It's so hard. No, there were all these like when we got into that, we finally got to Conan Town. All the people who had gone out to meet us at the other airport had come back, and they're like, but they were kind of grumbling. They yeah. were just like. Uh, <laughs> Kind of like, hey, assholes! <laughs> glad you could. <laughs> glad you came. In. This we're like, be ah, good. You know how it is. International travel. We're like, no, we're Japanese. We don't fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we'll wrap this so you guys can go back to drinking your wine. But in the way I, I was going to wrap it, unless you have another question, Shaney boy. You can wrap it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, guys, don't fight. It's your show, Mike. That is true. It is, it is my namesake. Um, <laughs> Do you guys have sort of a, a, a this question brought to you like a go-to Conan story? Because people are going to, in, going to inevitably ask whether it's your family or friends. Like, what's Conan like? Do you guys have like a go-to? Like, you know, you've been there for for over twenty years. It's like this is my mm-hmm. standard Conan story, or do you not have a go-to? Um, I don't have a go-to. my. I mean, the only thing I would say, I really appreciated. I started on Conan when I was in the middle of. I had just gone through a really bad breakup mm. and that was when I got hired and it was like I was I was in a very sort of dark place personally and it was my, maybe my second week on the show and it was Valentine's Day and Conan knew this like I don't know how I had maybe I had told him kind of where why how I ended up there I don't know I was probably telling everybody at that time You need to talk when you go through a breakup I know yeah, yeah. Um, but he was, he offered, he was like, what if you take a picture with me and say, I'm your Valentine and you can post it on Facebook and it'll make your ex so upset because he also sort of knew the context. He knew uh-huh. that that like, well, my ex was also in the business. So mm. that that was, your the, ex was, almost, it was also what? in the business. Ah, yes. Okay. And, and it was really, it was like, yeah, that's exactly what I should do. And so I did, and it was it felt great, and I, and it was like 
oh, yeah, I can lord over that I got this awesome job. <laughs> um, and then now my life is great since we broke up. Um, but I thought that was really thoughtful. That was It thoughtful. was nice, yeah. And that's good to know. The next time I fight with my wife, I'm going to take a photo <laughs> with Bono. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't, I love that. That's I a beautiful that story. story. That's a great story. It was, yeah. really, it was really sweet, and he knew exactly kind of like what that I needed to have some, like I needed the upper hand. You needed to win. Ex. I needed to win. Yeah. Did I, that's a perfect story, but I'm just curious if the ex took the bait at all. I mean, I remember he liked the photo. Uh, I don't okay. know if, you know. That's called yeah. hate liking, right? Yeah. Probably. Like, I'm cool with this. Like, he double tapped yeah. it on Instagram. Yeah. Is that you like yeah, someone's yeah. vacation photo. Yeah. <laughs> but he did it too quickly. You right. know, it, oh, no. I'm sure that I drove think him it did. insane. I think it did. I think it probably hurt That's his great. feelings a lot in a good way. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, if you don't have a story, then I guess that's a great place to, to wrap it. I, yeah. Well, can I, I just ask you one last question then, Mike? Oh. Since that? you don't have a go-to Conan? Sure. So with shows like SNL, they're always saying, like, oh, this was the best era or the Sandler era is the right. best. Oh. Right. But great when question. it's happening, it's always, like, the worst era, right? Yes. Or, like, with The Simpsons, people often cite seasons 3 to 10 being right. the best. Right. Do you have a sense of, like, the best era was 96 to 2001 or do you always feel like the era you're in is the best or the worst or that's very interesting i I, people people have worked at late night over the years talk about different eras as being oh that was the best or that was the best but i I remember uh one of our writers michael gordon uh was going had to go through all this comedy for the 10th anniversary show and he was like you know what I looked at everything for 10 years and there's plenty of amazing stuff all the way through and there's plenty of bad stuff all the way through. And I, I think that's something Conan has said and, and Johnny Carson would say is that, um, you know, it's a daily grind and there's, there's great, there's great stuff, but, and you don't have time to dwell on it and there's bad stuff. You don't have time. You just have to, like pump out a show every day. So I don't know, you know, like last week we were in Comic-Con and we, we've been in Comic-Con five years and I thought instead of losing steam, I thought it was like the best week of shows we've done. Wow. So I, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could like go in with a microscope and go, oh, this was a hot, yeah. hot month. But I think it's overall, it, it's like a consistency that I, I think has been pretty con- pretty good well there you have it i, I hope you enjoy that non-answer my <laughs> yeah, yeah. this Wait, is the why? best era you right now hurt my yeah. feelings. Oh. with jesse yeah yeah well i find people always think That's the so best funny. era is the era where they were the most uh, the easy young. to influence like where like for me when i was in high school right oh. that was right. my prime conan time because right. he had such a big influence on me it's like music yeah exactly i, I mean yeah. the, the music that you that defines you when you're a teenager and in your early 20s is just it's hard to top that yeah. even so you're cranking it when you're in your 70s yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah right and now no one watches tv anymore so. right it's it's a it's weird time for TV. It's all <laughs> we might as well be talking about opera yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is antiquated yeah, uh, media exactly. um well thank you guys so much yeah, for your time you. uh, we really appreciate you giving us this much time nice to meet you both our pleasure yeah, really you. enjoyable thank cheers you. have a great fest <laughs>